I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. I hope the weekend treated you well. Today, we're going to talk about what to do when the people in your life will not do what you wish they would do. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is that I am using the new Full Focus Planner. They sent one over to me. I'm a big fan. I just, I love the team behind it and I love the planner itself. It's my dream planner. And they added the spiral bound binding and I'm typically not a big spiral bound book fan, but actually it's been so nice because it just feels really good to hold. I can flip the pages all the way around and just look at one side or the other. Also, there's this each planner day has a full page of notes and I've been using that notes page to challenge myself to write a poem every day. Some days the poems are great, some days they're bad, but it just really sparks my creativity and makes me feel like I'm connected to my writing every single day. So that's my rose. My thorn is that it snowed this week in April. I am so ready for spring and snow was not what I expected. It it could be flipped around to be like this like magical thing to see the flowers blooming and the snow falling at the same time, but I am so in need of spring that it's my thorn. Okay, my bud is that this is my big interview week. I'm doing tons of interviews for this podcast, for other people's podcasts. I have my monthly meeting with my Brave Collective community, so I'm about to be an extrovert heaven. Like, I'm going to come alive. I get, maybe other sevens are like this, I don't know, you tell me. I get overwhelmed having a full schedule, but I also get my energy from other people. So in my mind, before all the meetings, I sometimes will be like, oh, I feel a little restricted. But then when I'm in the meeting, I come alive. Like I just feel like jazzed. So I'm looking forward to the energy that it is will inevitably bring into my life. Now let's talk through today's topic. One of the most common questions I receive, both when I'm talking about the Enneagram and when I'm talking about self-prioritization, it goes a little something like this. My blank, mother, father, husband, child, does blank, um, insert unsavory habit here, and that makes me feel blank, sad, lonely, embarrassed, dumb, you know, whatever. How do I get them to stop? So I'm going to use my own type as an example for this, but an example of this being my type 7 spouse won't share their feelings with me, which makes me feel distant. How do I get them to be more comfortable with their negative emotions? So basically what we're saying here is like, how do I get them to do their Enneagram work or go on their journey or to do what I want them to do so that I can be more comfortable and happy? Now let's go on a journey together with this one because I'm going to do a seven point response to this because it's complicated, right? It, the answers are going to be kind of all over the place because there's a lot of different factors to, to keep in mind. But the first point is their journey is truly their own, right? There's not much that we can do to push that along. And in fact, any amount of pushing them along will make it a false journey based on wanting to keep you around and therefore won't be a moment of true change. It kind of has a clicking 
time bomb on it, right? Like as soon as the energy to please you phases, then the behavior will just return. In order for individuals to truly do the work of the Enneagram or any self-improvement work, they have to be 100% on board because they believe it's something that needs to change and honestly for them, not for you. So that's the first piece is it's not really our journey to push through or to impact. If they're going to change, it's going to have to be on their own timing. That doesn't mean that we can't have our say. It doesn't mean that we can't contribute or we're not going to impact each other. But at the end of the day, we aren't going to change the people in our in our lives. They're going to change based off of what they think is necessary. So the second thing is, is there something on your end that could be worked through first? Meaning, if it's something that's making you feel insecure, how can you tend to your insecurity directly without them changing to make you comfortable? You know, can you build confidence through picking up hobbies, developing new skills, moving your body in ways that make you feel good, connecting more deeply to yourself and to who you are and learning to love that? Then it's not really about their behavior, right? It's about your relationship to yourself and their behavior is just triggering a reminder of how you already feel. Maybe you feel like someone takes advantage of your generosity. Um, Maybe it's not that they need to stop asking, but you need to get more comfortable saying no. Oftentimes when we want to, we want someone in our life to change, it's because we're perpetuating their behavior through a lack of boundaries, through rewarding that behavior, but also sometimes it's not really their behavior that's the problem. It's how we feel about their behavior that needs to shift and change. It's what their behavior reminds us of about how we feel about ourselves. And so sometimes it's just coming right back to our relationship to who we are. But that doesn't mean that maybe sometimes you do need them to to change or you need them to pitch in in certain ways or be be an active participant in this. And that's what brings us to part three, which is, have you asked them for what you want and need? So often I think we don't ask, we just kind of try to get that need met through some kind of other avenue. So when you ask me this question, how do I get them to blank? Maybe it's as simple as just asking them. Maybe it's just saying, Hey, will you try this for me? This is how this makes me feel. This is what you can do to help me through this. Is that something you're up for? I've said this a lot. A big tip on asking for what you need is to be specific and time oriented. Like don't say all the time, you never, you always, but instead do it case by case, scenario by scenario. Like, hey, can you chip in right now? And then you can move on to phase four, which is to encourage the behavior you appreciate instead of criticizing the behavior you resent. Meaning asking them to chip in in whatever way that you need them to and then saying, man, it means a lot to me that you did that. It always means a lot to me when you do that. Versus saying you never do this. Because when we say something like you never or you always, or I wish you would become someone who, it puts them in an immediate defensive stance and puts them in the position to want to protect themselves and you become the enemy, right? You become 
against each other instead of inviting them to be on the team to solve the problem alongside you. You're saying, if you acknowledge that the thing that I'm experiencing is real, then you also have to acknowledge that you're a bad person. And most of us are not going to do that. We don't want to be like, yeah, you're right. I'm a, I'm a mess. I messed up. You know, I'm a failure. I need to admit that everything that I've ever done is wrong, right? We're not going to do that. But what we can do is you can say, hey, will you come do the dishes? And they can say yes or no. If they say yes, you can say, man, it really meant a lot to me to do that. It's so cool that you did that. I really appreciate that. That means the world to me. I always mean the world to me. You can say, you know, can we, can you do the dishes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, you can be specific. It's not, I'm not saying ask every single time, individual time. It's not your job necessarily to to be the task manager of your household. I'm getting into like full marital conversations here. I'm trying to be more vague in relationships in general, but ask for what you need, encourage the behavior you appreciate, and then versus criticizing the behavior that you resent. That's going to get you further, faster. All right, number five, consider their perspective. Honestly, this thing that you're trying to get them to stop doing, why are they doing it? And can you identify the wound here? So for example, um, maybe you are married to a type nine and that type nine in your life keeps shutting down when you have something important that you need to talk about and they're no longer really present. Well, consider the wound, which is that nine's received the message a long time ago that their presence doesn't matter, that conflict is overwhelming, that they need to preserve themselves through you know, withdrawing and numbing out. Can love be poured in there instead? Can you be a support to their healing instead of just another critical voice in their head? And I know I'm using a lot of marital examples, but this, this matters to every relationship in your life. If you intend to maintain this relationship, considering their perspective is the least that we can do, right? And putting ourselves in their shoes, maybe all of a sudden the decisions that they make will start to make sense. Um, you know, we, I have a lot of, I have a type five in my life who is very uncomfortable with social media, very uncomfortable with social media privacy. And for a long time, that really confused me. It made me feel, because they had problems with things I was sharing on social media, it made me feel controlled. It made me feel frustrated. And so the question I would ask is, why, how do I get this type five in my life to be more comfortable with the things I post on social media? I feel controlled. But if we kind of look at some of these points, and I consider their perspective, which is that their privacy is one of the most important things to them, then I can be like, well, why is this important to me? Can love be poured in here? And then is this really my thing? You know, I'm afraid of being controlled. I'm afraid of being limited in any way. So how can I release that limitation, that fear limitation to work through this problem? The next one, number six, is can you focus on what you appreciate about them? So consider that there are things you do that may bother them, And that's just kind of part of the process. A perfect relationship of any kind doesn't exist. So are these complications you can live with? Is this, are they doing you harm? 
then that's not the time, right? Are they physically, emotionally abusive? That's not the time for this. You know, are they causing pain? Do you know for a fact that like this is not working? This is incompatible. I need to move on. Then this isn't the time. But if this is a relationship that you want to preserve, that you believe in almost every way is healthy for you, then can you consider what you appreciate about them and put intentional effort into focusing on what you appreciate about that person? Because again, there is no perfect relationship. Every relationship is going to have good and bad and in between. So you need to decide, are these complications I can live with? And if so, can love be poured in here? If not, then that takes us on to point seven, which is do you need to leave the situation or limit access to you for a time? Sometimes, honestly, the kindest thing you can do for someone is to move on. When I finally decided that I needed to leave my first husband, it came down to someone could love this person better than I can. And and the reality is like, it hurts in that moment, but in, in the long form of his life, he will be loved better if we are not together. And yes, there's an element of like that being true for me too, but the reality is I don't know if I could have made that decision for myself at that time, right? Sometimes it seems counterintuitive, but it is the right thing to do to just leave a situation and move on. And also, again, like we talked about, if there is any kind of abuse, emotional, physical abuse, if there's harm being done, if you you know that this is a toxic situation, then get out of it. <laughs> you know, there, there's no shame or harm in exiting a situation that isn't going to improve. And I think toxic is a pretty strong word to use because, you know, when we, we go from abusive to toxic, and I think oftentimes toxicity in relationship is really coming from each other's, you know, the dynamic that's co-created in a relationship or, or one or both person's inability to do the work they need to do to create a healthier dynamic, meaning in this situation, maybe you've done all of these things, right? Like you go in 100% and you give them time for their journey, but you make a request, you do your work on your end, you ask directly for what you need, you encourage their behavior instead of criticizing them, you consider their perspective, and you focus on what you appreciate about them, and it's still not working it's still painful they won't meet you halfway they're not working on their end of the street that is another time where you're like maybe it's time for me to move on because there's only so much you can do and it that's where we have to get into at what point do we release right and that's not something that i can tell you you know Um, Obviously, I can say if you're in an abusive situation, if there's physical or emotional harm being done to you, then the time is always now. It will never feel like the right time. It will always be hard, but there are people who will support you. I will put some numbers in the description, in the notes section for you of places to call. But if we're in a situation where it's just not working, we want this relationship to work, we've done our part, we've gone 100% and this person is not meeting us in the middle, We maybe we go to therapy together depending on the dynamics of the relationship or maybe it's time for a break or time to move on. 
Now, these are just a few ways in which we can approach the innate nessiness of someone not showing up for us the way that we prefer without sacrificing our safe relationship to self. I'm going to take one of these pieces and dive deeper into it for tomorrow's episode. But for now, today's food for thought is from Shannon L. Alder. When you loved someone and had to let them go, there will always be that small part of yourself that whispers, what was it that you wanted and why didn't you fight for it? Now, when I hear this, I think, have you made that request directly and with love? Have you asked for what you need? And what if asking, what if it was really that simple? What if you really just had to ask? Why not try? As always, it is such a joy to create this content for you. If you haven't already left a rating and review on iTunes, it would be such a gift to me on this beautiful Monday, and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.